Sure, I'm thankful to be worshiping with you here today. It's been a good morning already. I don't know if anybody counted all of those children. It took them 20 minutes to leave here. There's so many. That is a good thing. That's a very good thing. Uh, I am just really excited to see almost every Sunday now I'm meeting people for the first time. And that's really exciting. Thank you. Thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for coming even if you weren't invited. I invite you to come back. Now you've been invited. We're glad that we're very glad that you're here. I hope that you feel welcome. If this is your first time with us or if you've only been here a couple of times, I hope you feel welcome. I hope you feel the excitement that that we feel here. There are exciting things happening. Now, not everything that happens is exciting, right? We, we shared some tragic news with you last week, uh, but we've been having just one exciting thing after the next. We had a wedding. We had a new birth in the family. We're going to have a baby shower in two Sundays. Today, we're having a baptism. And, and uh, in just four Sundays... And just four Sundays from today, we're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary as Harmony Baptist Church, Harmony Ministries. 50, 50 years in this building. It's actually 52 years since the first people got together and said, uh, God is calling us together to form a new body of believers. We're going to call ourselves Harmony Baptist Church. That was 52 years ago. But two years ago, we were having this, this thing that had everybody's attention, right? I mean, it was the year, it was the year 2020, and we, we went into the year saying, man, this is so perfect. We got a vision. We got a 2020 vision. And then we covered it with a mask, remember? And we lost sight. Of, we, for, for a minute there, we lost sight of that vision. But um, like the blind man, God took the scales away from our eyes and we see again a vision for what God wants for us. It's exciting to be here. It's exciting for me to be here. Can you tell I like what I do? <laughs> I love my job. I do. I love my job. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this ministry. I'm excited at everything that's happening. I'm just not all that excited about my message today. That, that sounds bad, right? We're coming to the end of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It took him an afternoon to deliver it. It's taken us nine months to work our way through it. But we're coming to the end, and, and like most good sermons, I will say like most good sermons, um, the, the, the whole message builds toward a culmination a challenge, a call to act, a call to decide, a call to declare yourself. And preachers preach like this because Jesus preached like this. He started, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who show mercy. Blessed are you who are persecuted for my sake. And then, he, and then he went on building on that idea to say, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And then he went on and, and building on that foundation, he said, you have heard it said, 
by the people long ago, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say to you, don't even hate each other. And, and Jesus went on and on and talked about, as we've talked about over the last 22 uh, weeks in this series, we, he, he talks about different things that are real in our lives. Don't worry. Don't take revenge when someone wrongs you. Don't try to get even. Don't judge one another. And as he has been working through this Sermon on the Mount, he has come to this last section. We started into it two Sundays ago when he said, Now, I want you to understand you've got to enter through the narrow gate. You've got to be sure you're on the right road. Because many people are on the wrong road. It's, it's wide, it's nicely paved, it's smooth, it's easy to walk. But out in front, where you can't see it yet, but out in front, that road, Jesus says, leads to what? Destruction. So enter through the narrow gate. The road is hard. And few find it. But that road leads to eternal life. Two Sundays ago. Last Sunday, last Sunday, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets among you. They're among you like wolves wearing the clothing of sheep. By their fruit you will know them. And we talked about um, making sure that the people who are in our lives influencing us are influencing us in the right direction. I heard some people talking about that throughout the week. Who are the influencers in our lives? Are the influencers in my life influencing me in the right direction? Are, are people influencing me in God's direction? Are people pointing me along the narrow road that leads to life? Now this morning, this is my very least favorite part of the Sermon on the Mount. I put in my notes in your bulletin, your sermon notes, these words that Jesus says right here, these are some of the most terrifying words I can imagine. Listen to what he says. Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. What? Not everyone who says Jesus is Lord goes to heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If you are reading casually, you might see a red flag there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven... But the one who does goes to heaven. That sounds like what? What, what is doing? That's works. Yes? So suddenly we've said, wait a minute now. You've been telling me all along that it, it's by faith that I am, it's by grace that I'm saved through faith and that it's not by works. It's not from myself. 
not according to anything I've done so that I cannot boast. I, I have said that. You have heard that. You believe that, yes? So how does Jesus mean it's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven that gets to go to heaven? Let that question simmer for a moment because I'm going to show you Jesus' answer in just a moment. But first, I want to continue. Here's where it really gets chilling. Verse 22. On that day, that day being the last day, the judgment day, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do these religious things? Did we not prophesy in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Were we not doing the will of God? Were we not attending church? Were we not faithfully writing our check for the tithe? Were we not faithfully uh, volunteering in the nursery or in kingdom kids or coming and helping at food pantry or moving tables and chairs or helping assisting people getting in and out of the baptistry? Did we not do all of these religious things? Did I not listen to uh, Sound of Life Christian radio in my car coming and going back and forth? Did I not do all of the things that I should have done to go to heaven? Verse 23. This is the horrible part. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Who are you? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In my weakest moments, in my darkest, darkest moments, one one of the early Christian followers, St. John of the Cross, wrote about the dark night of the soul. Have you heard of it? The dark night of the soul. When I am at a spiritually depressed state in my life and I'm calling out to God, I'm calling out in prayer, I'm pouring out my heart in prayer and I'm hearing nothing back from God. Have you been there? Have you been in that dark night of the soul? In the dark night of my soul, I hear these words from Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. In my imagination, I hear the voice of my Savior saying, Who are you again? Go away. I don't know you. I have no part of you. Has that thought entered your mind? Imagine the people sitting on that grassy hillside listening to Jesus, this marvelous miracle worker who who was teaching them. Well, I better not say that right now because that's from two Sundays from now. Let's just say they were hanging on his every word. 
And, and let's say that many of the people listening had been oppressed by the religious elite, the scribes and the Pharisees, who made them feel like, what are you doing here in church? You don't belong here. You're not dressed properly for church. I, I know what you do for a living. You don't belong here in church. I know things about you. Things that make it obvious to me that you're not a follower of God. Do you hear those voices in your head from time to time? And these people were sitting listening to this teacher who was speaking to them like no one else ever had. And they were feeling hope because he was connecting with them. And suddenly, suddenly he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. Not everyone who comes to me with a portfolio of Christian deeds. You know, you, you bring your balance sheet and say, look at all the things that I've done. If, if anybody ever deserved to go to heaven, it's me. Because I've done more than, than that one. Way more than that other one. And, I, and, and, you know, that thief on the cross, what did he ever do for you? Here are people listening to this man speaking to them in a way they'd never heard, laying bare their soul, and suddenly he says, to some on that day of judgment, I will say, I never knew you. Go away from me. I want to come back to what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. So I asked God for help, and, and he gave me this help, but it came too late to put a slide in the, in the slideshow. So if you're taking notes, you can write down this reference, and I'm going to read it for you. You can write down this reference. It's from John chapter 6. Verses 37 to 40. This is what it says in John 6, verses 37 to 40. Jesus speaking, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Right? All the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So start, start putting yourself in this in this statement that Jesus is making. Are you one of those that the Father has given to the Son? Are you one of those who has come to Jesus? Because if you are, he says, when you come to me, I'm never throwing you away. I'm never sending you away. You will never hear me say, depart from me. Those words are not intended for you. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the Father's will. Jesus says, the, the Father's will for me is that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. 
but I will raise it up on the last day. That's the Father's will for the Son. That the Son will not lose anyone the Father has given him, but that the Son, according to the will of the Father, will on the last day raise up everyone that has come to him. But he goes on. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Father's will for the Son is that the Son doesn't lose anyone, but raises everyone up. The Father's will for you and me is that you and I should look on the Son and believe in him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Only the one who does the will of my Father. And the, the will of my Father that I am asked to do is to look on Jesus and believe in him. And that I can do. And that you can do. And I testified to you that I have done. And you can testify back. Yes. Yes, Dennis, that I have done too. So, I do not need to fear that dark thought that the accuser injects into my thinking when my soul is experiencing that dark night. When... And the enemy is so good at knowing when to say this to me. It's all, it's all for nothing. Dennis, I can't believe, Dennis, that you're stupid enough to waste your life this way. In, in my worst moments throughout the course of my adult life, in my worst moments, I have heard the enemy saying to me, if you had done this, look where you could be today. Look what you could have, like Mike was saying uh, earlier. Look at the things you could have today, Dennis, if you did this instead of what you've chosen to do. But, but the Spirit of God in me just confirms with gentle whisperings, Dennis, you have chosen the better course. You have chosen the better thing. Some people have placed their hope and their confidence in their own merits. These are the ones who Jesus describes as saying... You know, many, many say to me, have we not cast out demons? Have we, do, have we not done many marvelous and wonderful things in your name? Have we not done all of those religious things? People around us are telling us what, what wonderful godly people we are. Look at the wonderful things we've done. Some people have placed their hope and their confidence in their own merits. But Jesus says the actual way into heaven can only be found in a relationship with him. His merit, his work, his accomplishment, that's what opens the door to heaven, not mine. 
I want to um, remind you of something else that Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 10. This brings some assurance to me when I have thought about those words, Jesus says, I never knew you. Would Jesus say that to me? Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus speaking to you? Do you know who it is you're following? It's one thing that I know the voice of Jesus, that I know him. But listen to to what he goes on to say later in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is never going to say to you, I never knew you. If you have put your faith in him, if you have heard the name of Jesus and heard his accomplishment for you, if you have believed in him and put your faith in him, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the Mouth confession is made into salvation. With the heart man believes and is saved. There is a, there is a inner, uh, an inner affirmation of truth. And then there is an outer uh, confession or declaration of truth. Later this morning we're going to witness the outer declaration. When one of our sisters enters into the water of baptism and makes a public declaration, a proclamation. I am Jesus' child. He is my Lord. I belong to him. I am declaring publicly to anyone who will, who will see my testimony, I am declaring Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I cannot read this passage in Matthew 7 without also thinking about the parallel passage found in another of Jesus' great sermons. We call it the Olivet Discourse. It comes at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 24 and 25. You are familiar with this. If you've been in church twice, you've heard this. Uh, if, If you haven't been in church twice... You're here once and you're hearing it now. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats over there on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? This is, I, I've been in church more than twice. I've heard this passage read and explained many times. But it was only recently that something occurred to me that I hadn't previously taken note of. And that is the response of these people, these, the righteous ones, who Jesus has just welcomed into heaven and, and told them, you did all these wonderful things for me. And what I noticed is that their response is one of surprise. What? When did we ever do those things for you? They were not doing these things knowingly to impress God. They were just doing these things because the love of God was in them. And so Jesus says to them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers... You did it to me. These people were doing the will of their heavenly father almost accidentally. Not really accidentally. They were doing what they were doing purposefully, but they weren't doing it to earn favor from God. You understand that? They were not doing what they were doing to try to earn privilege. They were not trying to merit God's favor. They were doing it because they already had received God's favor. And the life of God was already growing and flourishing in them so that they were bearing fruit for the kingdom of heaven, for the glory of God. They were not trying to get out in front of the rest of the crowd, trying to beat the rush into heaven, so to speak. But Jesus' teaching goes on from there in verse 41. What about these people over here on the left? He will say to those on the left, here it is again, depart from me. You are cursed. You are going into the lake of fire, the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he gives the the reason for that judgment. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will also answer saying, hey, wait a minute. Lord... When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and we did not minister to you? 
If I had known it was you, I would have done it. If I knew what was hanging in the balance, if I knew what was depending on my actions, I would have done it. And then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. See again, this group of people is just as surprised as the other group of people. The group of people that found favor with God were people that were doing the will of God and the work of God just because the life of God was already flowing in them. And this and this group of people over here that didn't want to do anything that they could not see merit in. Why should I help the poor? They can't do anything for me. Why should I help the sick? The words of Ebenezer Scrooge. Let them die and reduce the excess population. You remember those words? We're better off without them. Society is a better place if we don't have all the people that we've got locked away in prison. Let them go. That's not what Jesus thinks. It's not what I should think. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You understand what's, what's at stake? In these last three messages, as Jesus comes near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, there's really just one more thing that he has to say. We'll talk about it next Sunday. One more thing he has to say, but... Before he ends this sermon, he has said very plainly to everyone listening and to every human being since. Make sure you're on the right road. Enter through the narrow gate. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Make sure you're going the way Jesus has described for you. Be careful of any false teacher, any false prophet that will misdirect you and point you in the wrong direction. And make sure, make sure of your relationship to Jesus Christ. That's the thing that matters. That's the thing that determines where you and I will spend eternity. Billy Graham, in an interview with Larry King, Larry King, you probably heard this interview, many of you. Larry King suggested, kind of asked Billy Graham a leading question. What do you think, what do you think uh, God is, you know, God is going to have a really big reward for you in heaven, Billy? And uh, Billy's response as Anybody who listened to Billy Graham ever would have expected, well, I don't know, that's, that's going to be up to God whether I've been faithful or not. Whether I've been faithful is a question only God can answer. I just last week listened to another interview by Billy Graham, of, of Billy Graham, this one by Paul Harvey. And again, Billy said, no, uh, I, don't, I don't think that I am 
deserving of great rewards in heaven. Only God can say that. And the reason I'm mentioning this to you is something that I heard Billy Graham say many times on his television evangelistic crusades. I never met him or heard him live and in person, but I listened and I heard him say so often at the end of his message, are you going to heaven? Are you Yeshua? Are you Yeshua? That southern accent that he had. Are you sure? That's the question I want to leave with you. Are you sure? I said a few weeks ago, my job, as I understand it, my job as a pastor is to help prepare people for the meeting that you will have on that day when you stand before God. My job as pastor is to help you prepare for that meeting. Are you ready? Are you sure? Are you sure that you know Jesus? That he is your good shepherd and you are his sheep. You know his voice and he knows you. Have you put your faith in the one that God has appointed to be the way, the truth, and the life? Are you sure? Heavenly Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters here this morning and those listening online will have heard the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Holy Spirit, and not by this servant. It is not my words that will save anyone. But your word is strong, and it is sure, and your promise is certain. I pray, Father, for every person who has heard this message that there is no doubt, there is no uncertainty, there is no hesitation, there is no reluctance, there is no fear, there is no shame, but that everyone who has heard this message today can and will say, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came from heaven. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. He offered up his life as a sacrifice for sinners like me. And God was pleased to accept his sacrifice and raise him up from the dead. He lives today and makes intercession for me. He is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He is my hope and my only hope of the forgiveness of sin, a place in the family of God, and eternity in your presence. I pray that you will help us to be certain of this. Before we leave this room today, in Jesus' name I pray. Please stand as we sing, You Are My Strength. Strange.
Reaches to me. 